Welcome to All Are Welcome, an Evergreen Christian Church podcast. Today, we have a sermon for you. Please join us in listening. A reading from 1 Corinthians 13. If I speak in the tongues of men or angels, but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. I have the gift of prophecy and I can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge and if I have faith that can move mountains but do not have love I am nothing if I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast but do not have love I gain nothing love is patient love is kind it does not envy It does not boast, it is not proud. It does not dishonor others, it is not self-seeking, it is not easily angered, it keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. But where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part. But when completeness comes, what is in part disappears. When I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put the ways of childhood behind me. For now we see only a reflection as in a mirror. Then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. And now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. It's the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. In a way, love is the culmination of our other weeks of Advent. Love is driven by hope. Hope for a future together. Hope that love will prevail. Hope that the shared love is true and generative. And in many ways, love bears us new hope. Love is creative and energetic. It makes a new thing, new possibilities. And often, so often, what people place their hope in is love. Because love gives us resilience and the means to get by. Love creates peace. Love is what drives us to try to obtain true peace. And it is love of our neighbor that causes us to care for them. It is out of love for our fellow that we strive for a kind of justice that brings about true peace. And so often love is the source of our joy, the warmth that comes into our hearts from hugging a grandchild or holding the hand of a significant other, spending time with family and friends. We know so much joy comes from the people we love, joy that's created because there is love in the world. But the truth is, love is hard. Love is hard. 
and it requires a lot from us. And sometimes it's hard to know what love is or isn't. So sure, sometimes we just know that it's love, but how much of our teenage years and our early 20s and maybe even longer is spent falling in and out of love? And if we're going to be cynical about it, love opens us up to a lot of hurt. Being in love with somebody opens us to new realms of hurt. The hurt of heartbreak. The sadness of losing a loved one. The anxiety of seeing somebody you love struggle. The despair when somebody you love loses their way and there's almost nothing you can do to help them. That feeling of deep guilt when somebody you love is mad at you or disappointed in you or you've done something to hurt them. To quote a famous song, love hurts. And it doesn't only open us up for a lot of hurt, requiring us to be vulnerable, but it also asks a lot from us. It asks us to trust the people we love, to know that we cannot control them. We can't control what they do with our love, but to trust and respect them enough that we can love them. And if you live with people you love, that's its own kind of bag of worms. Merging the lives of two different people from different families and lifestyles, sometimes cultures and languages, different preferences for how things are done, different schedules and hobbies, that could be difficult. And love means some sacrifice, to sometimes give up things that are in our interest or our favor because the one you love needs you to do so or even wants you to do so. For instance, I think of my friends with newborns who give up a lot of sleep and a lot of sanity to care for their child. Being in love so often means giving up full autonomy, if we ever truly had full autonomy. It means sacrifice in a less self-interested worldview. Love is hard. It can even be hard to receive love, to accept that somebody else loves you, to let them love you fully, to open yourself up to their love to deem yourself worthy of their love. But Paul reminds us why love is so important. If I speak in the tongues of men or of angels, but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains but do not love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast but do not have love, I gain nothing. I think one of the reasons why love is so hard it's because we don't have proper language for talking about love. 
The Greeks had several words for love, not just love. There's the word eros, which is a erotic kind of love, a passionate, usually sexually passionate kind of love. There's philia, a kind of deep abiding friendship, like the love between comrades. Also a form of philia called storhe, a kind of love between a parent and a child. There's ludus, it's a playful kind of love. The kind of love shown by friends bantering in a bar or two people flirting with each other. Now, the Greeks didn't use this word, but from a Greek understanding, pragma, which means a long standing love, popularized in the 1970s by a Canadian sociologist who talked about a mature and realistic love found often between couples who had been together for a long time, a kind of compromising to make new things work, to make life work. This kind of love that maybe the Greeks themselves did not use, but I see, for instance, in my parents. And there's fellatio, self-love. And now this could be a warped self-love, like narcissism, or it can be a very healthy self-love, like a kind of self-confidence and agape, gift love, as C.S. Lewis called it, a kind of universal loving kindness, a selfless love, a love you could potentially have for people you don't even know. Also can be translated to a kind of love feast, a bounty of love. I think all of these kinds of love are important to have in our life. And no one person or one thing can be the source of all these kinds of love for us. Different relationships are going to feed us in different ways. And I wish we worked harder to recognize the ways we need to show these kinds of love to each other. I think for men especially, it's been stigmatized to say, I love you to friends. And I think maybe that's starting to go away with my generation on. But men so often have trouble showing their friends that they support them and love them. That there's a kind of philia between the two of them. And many people struggle with fellatio, with love of themselves. They do not love themselves because they have not been shown love by others. Or they think self-love is conceited. But the reality is... That love for ourselves enhances our ability to perform the other kinds of love. And I think if we had a little more ludus, we could lighten our lives. Be a little more playful and less serious about things. And knowing that eros is a kind of love and being able to identify that can help us to have healthy relationships with sex and passion. And also building relationships with pragma in mind can make those relationships stronger. But agape is maybe the love that's missing most in modern American society. Studies on empathy have shown that empathy has declined sharply over the last 40 years. And in times of political divisiveness, increased tribalism, increased racial tension, a scarcity mindset, 
these things have caused folks to look out for their own, for themselves, this heightened individualism, and to see the gains of others as threats. And so love for the stranger is hard to achieve when screw you, I've got mine, is too often the prevailing through line of many of our social interactions and our politics and our business deals and the ways we treat each other. And this pandemic has been an exercise in seeing the ways people do or do not partake in agape love, doing something out of love for the stranger. Agape is the word Paul uses in 1 Corinthians 13. Paul writes to the church in Corinth, which is deeply divided amongst themselves, and they're fighting. And Paul reminds them what it means to have love for a stranger, to have a universal kind of kindness. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. But where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. In Paul's letter to the church in Corinth, before this chapter, he talks about many of the disputes the church has. Disputes about women in leadership positions or wearing head coverings. Dispute about leadership, period. Disputes about sacrificing and the eating of food. But Paul sums these disputes up in this chapter. A reminder that their way of being in the world is cemented and focused on love. Agape love. These things they are disputing about. What matters is how they do or do not fall into this category of love. Now, I think we can all agree Paul's aspiration for the church's love is just that, aspirational. This is because Paul's vision of love are based off the kind of love that God has for us. Our imperfect ways and forms of love are modeled after God's perfect love. God's love is patient and kind. It does not boast. It does not fail. It will outlive our tongues and our prophecies. And God's love is for us. God's beloved. God's love is for us, God's children. God loves us. And there's nothing we can do to earn that love, and there's nothing we can do to lose that love. God in God's grace and mercy and God's love gave us Jesus Christ, divinity and flesh, which is in itself unexpected. Jesus Christ in grace and mercy And Christ's love for us emptied himself, died on the cross, and out of love for us, gave his life. Out of love for sinners and saints, 
and there is nothing we can do to earn that love or to lose it. And that is unexpected. 1 Corinthians is also the letter in which Paul writes that we believers are part of one body, the body of Christ, that each part of the body is special and has its place and cannot say to the other part that it is not needed. It's where Paul writes that there is no longer Gentile or Jew, woman or man, servant or free, but we are one in the body of Christ. And as we are the body of Christ, we must act like the body of Christ. And Christ's body was beaten and abused. It was killed. He emptied himself out completely out of love for strangers. Treated all people as God's children. Christ's body was embodied agape. And so our bodies must be as well. Our physical bodies and the body of Christ which we are constitutive of. We are to be agape love, to model our imperfect love after God's agape love for us. Paul writes, I have the right to do anything, you say, but not everything is beneficial. I have the right to do anything, but not everything is constructive. Paul acknowledges, as Christians, we have the right to do anything, but we have the spiritual duty to do agape. Church, we have received an unexpected love, but we are also to be unexpected love, unexpected agape. We are to see the stranger as God's child, as our brother or sister or fellow body part in this body of Christ. We're to be patient and kind and non-boastful and non-envious and not proud. We're supposed to have short memories. We're to do this for complete strangers. Maybe even people we are divided against. So as we, this last Sunday of Advent, prepare ourselves to receive Christ's love in our life, we do so knowing that we are to be Christ's unexpected love in action. Amen.